Good morning, good morning, good morning. How we doing this morning? Good. That's a, that's, that was weak, y'all. How we doing this morning? Great. Somebody said great. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Such an honor and delight to be here this morning found in corporate worship. Let me just jump right in and also say uh, welcome to all of our first time visitors. It is, uh, you, you could have chosen anywhere else to worship, uh, but you've chosen to worship with us, a crazy group of Jesus lovers. And, uh, and so I'm grateful for that and don't ever want to take for granted uh, that you uh, have come this morning. So thank you guys. Let me also publicly express my deep gratitude for all of our volunteers. Can we thank God for all of the volunteers in this church? You know, it's always amazing. I mean, rainy days outside and seeing, you know, our setup and breakdown team come in and out. I mean, before you guys get here, I mean, this is in every sense of the word, a lounge where there's chairs and there's literally a bar that sits right there. Uh, and so to see, you know, this room always transform each and every week. I'm just amazed at our, our volunteers, not just setup and breakdown, but our hospitality, our media, our children's ministry. I mean, people serve every single week in the kids area and um, it's amazing, you know, and we don't, we don't want to take people's service for granted. So from the bottom of my heart, I just want to make sure I publicly express that, that I, I see, I, I've witnessed, and I've noticed that everyone's service in our worship team. Can we thank God for the worship team? You know, Colossians 3.23, don't turn there, says whatever you do, whatever it says, whatever you do, work heartily as you're serving the Lord, not man. And that's exactly what our volunteers are doing. They are serving the Lord as they serve with their gifts. And so we're grateful for that. Listen, we are jumping back into our Bride of Christ series. We've been going through a series on the church and it's called Bride of Christ. And we've just walked through different aspects of what the church is and what the church is not. Many of us have uh, our own understanding based on our experience of what church is. And so we wanted to get together and do a, a two-month series on what is the church, uh, what is the biblical church, and just walk through exactly what the scripture says. And so we started out talking about Jesus as the builder of the church. We deemed that it was no other way for us to start, but then to talk about Christ as the builder. Matthew 16, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And so Jesus builds the church. We don't have uh, the ability to do that. We don't have the, the wittiness to build Jesus' church, but it's his and he's building it. And then we talked about really four characteristics of a healthy church, walk through Acts 2, and just what did the early church, what was characteristics that made the early church healthy? So we walked through what that looks like. We talked about elders in the local church, just catching up some of you that haven't been here. Elders in the local church. We are a elder-led, elder-ruled church. We believe elders biblically should make the decisions for the church. And so we walked through 1 Timothy 3. What are the qualifications for elder? What can you expect from those uh, that are leading the church? Um, and so we, we walked through what that means. And then stewardship, you know, it's always... Always funny when you talk about, I'm not trying to rap, but it's always funny when you talk about money. Uh, and so, okay, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to spit some bars, but it's not going well. It's not going well at all. But we talked about stewardship and what does giving look like when we tried to do it from a place of not talking about money. Like, it's about our heart, right? Stewardship, giving that, that really exposes what's deep, deep, deep in the heart. Um, last week, we took a quick break, a quick, a quick detour, and Pastor Larry Smith from uh, one of the elders at Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia came up and preached Jesus 
to us. So grateful for him. He's also the author of the Jesus Life book. How many grabbed that book last week? A couple people. Anybody start reading it? It's an amazing, amazing resource. And, um, and so if you, uh, if we had a discount last week, but you can still get it. It's available on, online if you go onto Amazon. So took a detour last week, but we're jumping back in. Today, I want to talk about building the church again, but I want to come from a different angle. Not necessarily Jesus as the builder of the church, but us building on Jesus' words. That's what I want to talk about today. Um, let, let, me, let me read this to you. This is uh, my journal from last year. And um, I was flipping through it every now and then. So I journal, try to do it every day, but at least I do it every two or three days. I'll journal just some thoughts. I really use it as a prayer journal. Uh, and it's good to always go back and reflect on what the Lord has really was working on my heart at that time, prayers that he's answered, prayers that he didn't answer. Sometimes I'm rejoicing over, the, I'm looking like, I prayed that? You know, and, and, and sometimes you can rejoice over closed doors more than you can rejoice over the doors that were open. Um, and so reflecting over my, my journal, um, I looked at a journal entry on July 29th of last year, last summer, before we started Bible studies, before we really started gathering. We did a few uh, outreaches and uh, vision nights, but before we really started gathering, I looked at a journal entry that I made. I, it seems like I was just getting back from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Nothing's in Chattanooga, by the way. Uh, that's not true. It was, it was a very nice time. Um, but I was looking at a journal entry that I made when I got back home, and I, I said this. I said, back home in Brooklyn, love this place. Please continue to grow my heart for this city. I'm sitting in Roots Cafe thinking about how much uh, I love to see men and women love their Bibles. Blessed, uh, please, Lord, bless our leaders and uh, the men and women in our church to always value the Bible. Let us not love the idea of the Bible, but really pursue to read it and apply it. Give me wisdom in leading uh, our church to establish a church that's purely based on the Bible. When I read that, it made me reflect on the series that we're in and just seeing how we are. This is almost a building inspection. That's what I want to do today. What is the foundation of our church? Are we really digging deep into what I wrote in July 29th, 2015, where the foundation of our church is built on the scriptures? Like you can build churches on so many other things. You can build churches on events and social media and uh, websites and outreaches. And these things are good, but they're not the foundation. The foundation of the church must be Jesus' words. And so if you can open to Matthew chapter 7, that's where we're going to spend our time uh, this morning. And we're going to be talking about that foundation, uh, which is the scripture. So Matthew chapter 7, I'm going to go through a parable. Hey, let me just uh, give a quick shout out to, uh, to some folks that are here from uh, partner churches of ours. Stacy and Marlo, if you guys can raise your hand. Let's thank God for Stacey and Marlo. They are, they're from Wichita, Kansas, from a church called Westside Christian Church. Here, they've been here all weekend just talking about partnerships, had dinner with them last night, my family and I, and it's just a, a good time talking about what it looks like for our churches to partner together. So thankful for them. Steve as well. Steve, if you could raise your hand. Let's thank God for Steve as well. Steve is from Louisville, Kentucky, right? Louisville, Kentucky, Southeast Christian Church. Uh, grateful for them. They've 
been partners of ours for a few months now, and we're just thankful. He also sits uh, on our management team. Remember when I talked to you guys about how we're looking to raise up elders here, but until we do that, we have a provisional elder board who helps make makes decisions. Steve is on that elder board, so thankful for him and his wife being with us today. All right, Matthew 7. Matthew chapter 7. Let's, let's look at verse number 24. Verse 24 says this, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall. I want to talk today uh, about the foundation of our church. That's literally the title, foundation of our church. Let's, let's look to the Lord. Lord, we thank you this morning for the ability to gather with other believers. Um, we are grateful uh, for your presence here. If Jesus is not proclaimed today, our gathering is a vain. Uh, this is just a social rotary club. If Jesus isn't Uh, highly proclaimed. And so, Lord, I pray for your presence to be here today. Give me the boldness to speak your word with passion, with zeal, and with clarity. Pray that the gospel would press deeply into our hearts today, encourage the believer and the non-believer. I pray that you would open his heart, woo that person to you today. Thank you for your presence and pray for a fruitful time today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. August 9th, 1173, there's an Italian architect by the name of uh, Bonanno Pisano. Anyone ever heard that name before? Bonanno Pisano, he, he, you'll know the building that he made. He's, in Italy, he built this building. He was the architect of this building called the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Anyone ever seen that building? It kind of sits in Italy on, on a, has a little gangster lean that it sits on. It's 14,000 tons, but it sits 18 feet off of its center. Literally sits 18 feet off of its center because of two miscalculations. One of them was that it was only built, uh, dug three meters deep. The second one is because of the mushy ground around it. Literally Pisa, so it's a, it's a town, but it's, it's named Pisa because it's called mushy ground. That's what Pisa means. You would, have th- you would have thought the architect would have known this when he built this building, but he didn't. So 14,000 tons sitting on mushy ground automatically makes it lean. Uh, such a famous building. We've seen it in magazines. We've seen it in uh, we've seen it on movies. Anybody remember Superman 3? Where Superman flies to, uh, to, to Italy and pushes the building straight up. And the guy with the souvenirs is outside and all of his souvenirs are leaning. And so now he's upset and he's smashing them. He flicks Superman the bird. I don't know how you do that and get away with it, but he flicks Superman the bird. Uh, and then later on in the movie, Superman flies back to Italy and pushes it back leaning. And then he has to smash all of his souvenirs again. So it's a famous famous building. It's been seen over and over again. That is, so the, the, the ground, the foundation in which that building was built on was not a stable foundation. That is what Jesus is talking about today. He's talking about building on a sure foundation. Now, here's the thing about this text. This text absolutely has individualistic implications. So you can apply this to your life. And throughout our time together, I'd like to talk about applying this, building your life off the word. 
But I also want to use this, I think it's appropriate under the umbrella of talking about the church that we start to look at building our church purely based on the word. You saw what I wrote last year, July 29th of 2015. My heart and my prayer is that we would establish a DNA of being faithful to the scriptures. And so although this has individual implications, I want you to hold on to some of the corporate implications as well. If you've been here for any amount of time, you'll notice one of the things you will pick up is that we're trying our best to do everything according to the scriptures. And so the decisions we make is based on what the Bible says. The songs we sing are theologically and biblically based songs. And so the counseling I do, if I've done counseling with you one-on-one or a few of you, I never ever do that without this. So the direction our church is going in, we're saying, okay, what does the scripture say about that direction for our church? So we're trying to lay a foundation that is biblical. And so today in our time, I want to make sure we push that. So our text today gives us a parable that is a comparison and contrast parable. Jesus is going to show us the difference between a wise builder and a foolish builder. And for our church, we're going to see what it looks like to build our church wisely or what it looks like to build our church foolishly. And you will get to see as an individual what it looks like to build your life wisely and what it looks like to build your life foolishly. And so the parable that Jesus gives us today um, is not as famous as the prodigal son. This parable is not as beloved as the Good Samaritan, but this parable has great significance purely based on its strategic location. This parable comes at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. If you don't know the Sermon on the Mount, it is by far the most famous sermon, not just that Jesus has preached, but anybody has ever preached. Three chapters, Jesus preaches a sermon. Matthew 5, he starts the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, he goes through it, and Matthew 7, he goes through it. And at the end of this sermon that he gives, he gives us this parable, which in many ways is, is a call to judgment if you're not building off of his words. And so Jesus doesn't end how I would want to end the sermon. I want to end to where you're encouraged and you leave out encouraged. Jesus is like, no, 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 don't follow my words, and it's going to be detrimental to you. That's how Jesus ends. And so within the sermon, on the, the sermon on the Mount, we've seen him talk about how he fulfills the law. He's the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament law. We see him talk about anger. We see him talk about lust. We see him talk about divorce. He's talking about loving your enemies. He's talking about fasting. He's talking about judging others. He goes through this sermon where he talks about so many different things. And at the end of the sermon, he says, you don't heed to these words you're building on sand. That is what he's going to show us. And so he concludes this sermon with a very practical parable. Now, as a carpenter, Jesus being a carpenter, this is perfect. Like he, no one else knows how to build a house like Jesus. He's a carpenter. And so he knows what makes a foundation faulty and what, which one makes it stable. And so this analogy, this sermon that we have, this parable that we have, he's going to give us analogy for how to build your life and how to build our church. Let's walk through and consider the passage together and see what it says. Verse number 24 says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Let me just deal with the first word, everyone. The reason I want to deal with that word is because we run the risk of reading this and say, you know what? I'm really not building anything, so this doesn't apply to me. 
Everyone is who Jesus is talking to. Everyone that's gathered here, that's hearing the words of Jesus. Let me take the excuse off of your table. Everyone in here is building a house. Everyone in here. No no one in here is not building. You're building your life off of something. We're building this church off of something. So the question is, which builder are we? There's only two categories in the text. We're either a wise builder or we are a foolish builder. The question that we must look at is which builder are we? Which one are we? So as we're going through this parable, I want you to reflect and say, man, which one am I? Reflect internally about what Jesus is saying. So let's not play the game of, oh man, this isn't, this isn't applying to me. No, it's applying to every single one of us in this room. Let's look at what else Jesus says. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. Notice Jesus starts off by telling us the importance of hearing and doing. Now he's going to focus in this parable on the latter. He's focusing on doing what he says, but that's not to negate hearing. Hearing is important. If you're in here and you've professed faith in Jesus, if you haven't, thank you for coming. Welcome. We, we pray that you would feel welcome here at Epiphany Church. But if you are a believer, you're only a believer because you heard the gospel. So hearing is absolutely important. Let me take, give you a little bit of my, my salvation testimony. I've shared this before here. I grew up in church all my life. And at the age of 28, I was very legalistic, wasn't a believer. If you would have asked me if I was, I would have told you I was. I shared this story with uh, our guests last night at dinner. Uh, but a friend of mine shares the gospel with me in the parking lot of a church at the age of 28. Now, I responded to the gospel because it was a verbal proclamation. Like, first of all, it was an argument. He tells me I'm justified by faith alone in Jesus Christ. I said, no way. That's, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I'm not justified in, by faith alone. I'm justified by faith in the cross and my works. It's not salvation. That's, that's not the gospel. And so he walks me through, no, no, no. The cross and the cross alone justifies you. We argue for, for hours until after midnight until I go home, look through the scriptures, trying to discredit what he's saying. And the Lord ransomed my heart and rescued me because I heard the gospel. Verse 14, he asked three important questions. He says, how then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how will they believe in whom they've never heard? And then it says, and how can they hear without a preacher? You don't just hear the gospel and then walk away and live according to something else. The same thing that saves you is what keeps you. And so over and over again, our fickle self must be reminded and hear the gospel over and over and over again. That is why we do nothing but preach the gospel here. We have to. Why? Because that's the Romans 1.16. The gospel is the power of God to salvation for all that believe. You must hear the gospel. And so hearing is important. I don't know if you've ever heard this quote. It says, preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. I don't know anything more unbiblical than that. How can you say, don't, you can live your life and let your life preach the gospel without a verbal proclamation? No, the scriptures tell me I got to open my mouth. Do you know when, when the Ethiopian eunuch was saved? He was saved because Philip The scripture says in verse 35, I can't believe the scripture says this. It says that Philip opened his mouth like the Holy Spirit led the writer of the book of Acts, which was Luke. It led him to write that Philip opened his mouth. 
verbal proclamation. Hearing is absolutely important. And, and, you know, we live in a culture where it's like, well, I'll come to church once a month. You know, and I'm not saying this is the only place you can hear the gospel, but this is a place where the gospel should be proclaimed weekly. I'll only come once a month. You know how important the pulpit is for your own spiritual growth? You know how important your small groups, your circle of people that you're always hearing the gospel. Hearing is important. And so a gospelless pulpit is a dangerous place to be in. Don't ever sit in a church where we're preaching therapeutic, self-help. You can do it. If you get cut off in the car, just smile and wait. Don't listen. You got to get to the gospel. That's the only thing that's going to save us. And that's the only thing that's going to help us to grow. And so Jesus deals with it. He says, those who hear the words, and then he says, and does them. So Jesus is not just going to focus on hearing, but he's going to focus on doing. But note something important in this parable. Both builders heard the word. Both of them heard it. One responded wisely and one responded foolishly. Let's look at what else the scripture says. Verse number 24, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. He focuses now on doing. I love that Jesus defines for us what wisdom is. Because culture will tell you wisdom is knowing a bunch of information. The crazy thing is Jesus doesn't define in this text wisdom as knowing because the foolish man knew. The foolish man heard the same word that the wise man heard. But Jesus focuses on wisdom, not based on what you know, but how you apply what you know. That's wisdom. Wisdom isn't academic. I just, it's not cerebral. I just got a bunch of information. No, wisdom is I'm walking out that information. I had a professor that used to tell me, man, if you read that text, what you need to do after interpreting what that text is, you got to put shoes on that text. What does that mean? That means you got to walk out that text. I love the application portion. If you walk away and just simply say, man, I heard a word today. I wrote down some good notes and walk out and do nothing. Jesus says you're a fool. I didn't say it. Jesus says it. And so Jesus shows us that wisdom is purely based on you doing what Jesus said, not necessarily that you heard and that you took good notes and that you understood the Greek, you understood the Hebrew, you went to seminary and you broke this thing down. No. Do you actually apply what Jesus is saying? Just from a practical standpoint, if we're going to do what Jesus says, very practical is the best I got, but it's very practical. If you're going to do what Jesus says, that means you actually have to read what Jesus says. Do you know how many people only open up their Bible on Sunday morning? Christians, like if you, so, some of you have went through, you, when I said open up to Matthew 7, you clicked on the Bible app and it was still on the same Bible verse that we preached last week. So we must be people that read, not just read, but actually love the word. Like that's the question I always have. Not just do you read it? Do you understand it? Do you memorize it? Do you quote it? Do you love it? I'm discipling a group of men and, and I opened up Psalm 119 verse 97 to them, which says, oh, how I love your law for it's my meditation all the day. The question I have in that verse is, he says, I love it. Like I have affections for it. That's the question on the table for you this morning. Very practical. Do you read it? Jesus says wisdom is based on doing, but you can't do if you don't read. And so Jesus is showing us 
how important that is. He talks about the rock here. Look at the verse. He says, everyone then hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rock that Jesus is talking about here is the words that he just proclaimed in the last three chapters. So Jesus is saying that the foundation, the rock in which we must build our houses on, is what he preached in the Sermon on the Mount. But I would argue that Jesus isn't just talking about the Sermon on the Mount, but he's talking about all of the words that he's proclaimed. And even more broadly than that, all of Scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for reproof, for correction, and for instructions in righteousness. All of the Scripture is what we must build our church on and build your life on. That's what we must build our life on. And so it's amazing to me though, that Jesus says, build your life on the rock. And he uses rock as talking about the word, not himself. That's amazing to me. Now, Matthew 21, you flip over to Matthew 21. It's going to say Jesus is the chief cornerstone. So is this a contradiction? No, this isn't a contradiction. Why? Because building your life off the word really is building your life off of Jesus. Why? Because the entire word talks about Jesus. And so when we say build your life off the word, he's not contradiction. Building your life on the word really is building your life off of him. Remember when Jesus was standing before the Pharisees in John 5, and he says, you search the scriptures for in them you think you find life, but these are the very scriptures that testify about me. Jesus said, everything that you're reading speaks of me. Remember, he did the same thing with the two men on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24. He walks up to him, opens up the Bible. Bible says, beginning with Moses and all of the prophets and all of the scriptures, he interprets to them the things concerning himself. Jesus says the word represents him. He fulfills the word. And so if Jesus fulfills the word, him saying, build your church, build your lives off of my word is really him saying, build it off of me. So absolutely not a contradiction. Listen to me, Epiphany. It's so easy as a young church plan to start here and end somewhere else. It's so easy for us to get into social issues in the, in the community. It's easy for us to build this thing off of what programs we have, build it off of child care. I was telling somebody early, earlier that we're one of the few churches, not only church, but one of the few churches that actually offer child care ministry during service. People do Sunday school, but during service, your child be in a different place and being engaged with the gospel at the same time. One of the few churches that do that, do you know how easy it is to build the church off of that? Just send out flyers and say, hey, almost like a daycare. Like if that's all the church is about, let's just open up Epiphany Daycare. But the church must be about building off of this. That's why every, there's never been a week ever that we come in here and we don't open this because it's important. Jesus shows us doing, hearing is absolutely important. The foundation in which you lay should be Jesus Christ. Most of us don't want to lay this foundation in our individual lives because it actually takes work. I'm trying to hang here because I feel some goodness coming from that, from that AC. Jesus is... It's showing us in Luke and the same, the same, you know, the synoptic gospels give different pictures of the same story. In Luke 6, this same story, Jesus says something a little differently. Now, remember I said we don't want to build our lives off of this word because it actually takes work. This is what it says in Luke 6. Same story. It says, everyone then who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. 
He's like a man who built his house. Listen to this. And he dug deep. That's what the verse says in Luke, that you dig deep. See, most of us can't get to the place of building a foundation of the word because we're too busy grabbing the paintbrush and the granite countertops when really we should still be digging. We're trying to rush to do the housewarming when really we should have the shovel in the ground still digging. The scripture just said he dug deep. So many of us don't want to build our life off of this because it actually takes work. It actually takes spiritual discipline. Some of you need to get up 15 minutes earlier and read the word. Read just before you go out, like before you go out in a sinful world, how do we not guard ourselves with the word? It's devotional apps, it's podcasts, it's all types of devotional books everywhere. We should be building our life off of what Jesus is saying. Stop trying to lay the hardwood floors. Let's keep digging. And as a church, that is what we must do. We never can move away from digging. As we're building, we're still digging. That is what Jesus is showing us here. Let's look at verse 26. Continue to walk through this passage. Verse 26 says, and everyone then, this is the contrast, and everyone then who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The sand here represents anything that is not the word. Anything that is not the word of Jesus, the word of God, the scriptures is sand. So what does that mean? You building your life off of your degree is sand. You building your life off of your charisma and your position and your title and where you live, what you drive. If you're building your life off of those things, Jesus shows us that that won't endure when the storm hits. The only thing that endures, the only foundation that endures is his word. Jesus shows us here that his word is not the better of a couple of different foundations. It's not like that's a secure one as well as that one, but you really should choose this one. No, no, no. It's two foundations, sand or rock. Which one are we building our lives off of? When he talks about sand here, I was baffled earlier this week when I read this because I played football when I was in high school and on, on our off season, when we weren't in the game, when we weren't in the season, our coach would say, hey, meet me. I grew up on the Jersey Shore. I don't know how much you guys know about the Jersey Shore, but it has a boardwalk that runs pretty much the whole shore. My coach would say, hey, meet me down at the shore. We're going to run six o'clock in the morning. We're going we're gonna to run down on the beach. Now, when you say down on the beach, I'm thinking boardwalk. Like, that's no problem. So we meet him down there and he says, hey, I need you all to run two miles. We're stretching. We're ready. We're on the boardwalk. We're stretching. He's like, what are y'all doing? Take your shoes off and run two miles on the sand. But running on sand, that is an unstable surface. I mean, it literally shifts right under your feet. And so when I'm reading this, I'm scratching my head saying, who in the world will want to build a house off of the sand? And then I realized Jesus called him a fool. A fool would build a house. A fool, what he's saying is a fool would hear my words the sermon that I just preached for the last three chapters, you would hear that sermon, walk away and build on something else. He says, you're a fool. That's what he says. In fact, fool here, when he says foolish, the original, the Greek meaning behind this is moros. It's where we get our word moron from. He's really, what he's saying is, if you look it up, it's really saying stupid moron. And so what Jesus is saying is, hear my words, walk away and build on something else. He's saying, you're a stupid moron. That's what the, listen, it's strong text, but that is what Jesus is saying. Build your life off something else, and it is not wise at all. In fact, it's, 
It's, it's, you're, you're a moron if you do is what Jesus is saying. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Only a fool would hear Jesus' wise teaching and walk away and do something else. Only a foolish church would read the word of God, walk away, and preach prosperity gospel. Only a fool would do that. Jesus is saying, stick with the word. Stick with the word. That's the only sure foundation. And so let me get a little practical. Your education is not going to save you. Man, some of you are going with, for great degrees. I've, some of you had finals last week. I've prayed and talked with some of you, and I'm so excited to see that you're going through school, and I pray that the Lord would use your degree. But if you build your life off your degree, when the storm hits, it's going to be a rocky day. Education will not save you. Money will not save you. I don't care how many resources and partners our church pull in. We could have the fattest bank account as a church, but at the end of the day, if we start building on something else, when the storm hits, we will not make it. We will not make it. In your life, you won't make it outside of that. What you drive won't save you. What zip code you live in won't save you. Foundation is important. If I asked you, if I came to you and said, hey, listen, tell me about your house. Tell me about where you live, your building. You would probably tell me the color of the house. You tell me how many windows it has. Maybe you tell me how many bedrooms, how many square footage your house is. None of us would tell you, well, the foundation is this deep. None of us would do that. But that is the most important part of the building. Jesus says, build it on my words. Build it purely based on what I have to say. Now, there's another observation in two of the verses, in verses 25 and 27, that I really want you to consider here. And the, the, the other observation is that the church that is built on the word and your lives that are built on the word will be tested by a storm. Notice something here. Look at what verse 25, I'm just going to read 25 because 25 and 7 are the exact same verse. Uh, it says, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. Notice something so important here. The storm hit both houses. Like it didn't matter if they were wise. It didn't matter if you were foolish. It didn't matter if you built on sand. It didn't matter if you built on a rock. Both houses endured the storm. Do you know how many preachers will tell you, listen, you put your faith in Jesus and you won't have any more storms. That doesn't make sense. Jesus just showed us that even the wise man was in a storm. So what am I saying? Some of you walked in here today with a storm cloud over your head. I don't know what your situation is, but some of you walked in here with a serious situation. Can I submit to you that Jesus is trying to reveal the foundation that's underneath? That's the only thing that revealed this. The only way we know. So if this was a sunny day and you walked into both of these houses because the text doesn't show that these houses were different. They probably used the same material. They probably was the same height. They probably had the same amount of windows. On a sunny day, you could be in either house and not know which one it was. And so what Jesus is showing us in this text is that when the rain fell and the winds blew on both of the houses, what it does is reveal the, the foundation that you're on. We don't know what foundation you're on until the storm came. We don't know. Notice something. The rain fell on both houses. The wind blew against both houses. The flood rose against both houses, and we got to see which one was wise and which one was foolish, purely based on the foundation, purely based on the storm hitting the house. And so storms are unavoidable and they're inescapable. 
Don't try to walk through life like I'm not going to have a storm. If you, if you are one of those Christians that get nervous when you see clouds rising, you're in for a long ride here on earth because this thing is full of ups and downs. 2 Timothy 3 verse 12 says, those that want to live a godly life in Jesus will be persecuted. It doesn't say you might be. It doesn't say it's a possibility. It says if you want to live a godly life in Christ, you're going to have persecution. When you look at storms in the scriptures, the first thing I think of is Jonah. I'm like, Jonah was in a storm because he was disobedient, right? He was told to go to Nineveh. He heads to, on a ship to Tarshish. He's going the opposite way. I get it. He's in a storm. But if you read Mark 4, the disciples are told to go to the other side, and they hit the, the, the same storm. They are told, and they're 100% obedient. So don't believe the lie that I'm going to walk into Christianity, and I'm not going to have ups and downs. I'm not going to have a storm. No, you will have a storm. And my prayer even isn't that the Lord would remove the storm. My prayer is that you'd have a solid foundation. And the foundation be the word of the Lord. So on a sunny day, you don't know which one you're in. You don't know. My father gave me, when I first, um, when I first got into ministry a couple years ago, my father gave me this book. I was looking through some of the uh, books in, in, my, in my office, and I'm putting them up. I was kind of rearranging them, and I ran across this book, and it's so appropriate for what we're talking about now. It's called Preaching Through the Storms. It's by H. Beecher Hicks. It's an amazing resource, and this really is talking about how this pastor, a storm breaks out in his church, and he goes through this season where he has to preach, as he says, preaching through the storm. Incredible resource, but something really rocked me within this book, he goes through the book, and at the end of the book, he talks about how the storm ceases. Peace is restored in the church. But then he ends the last chapter. Chapter 11 is titled, Storms Keep Coming. Now, I was like, that's an anticlimactic. I'm like, this can't be true. That's an anticlimactic way to end a book, but it's the truth. You go through a storm, you come out, you're going back in. That's, that's the Christian life. Like, I don't want to bamboozle you. If you're not a believer, I don't want to bamboozle you into this thing. No, you believe in Jesus, and it, he brings it on. Like, he brings the storm. Notice something about this storm. Jesus could have sent one of the elements to wipe out the house. All he had to do was send the rain, and the house could have been wiped out. It's built on sand. The sand could have shifted because of the rain, and it fell down. He could have sent just the wind, and the wind could have knocked the house down. He could have sent just floods, and that would have destroyed the house. But Jesus sends all three elements at the same time. So this isn't a passing shower. This isn't what we saw this morning, a little bit of rain, and it's done, that's it. No, this is a hurricane category five storm. Some of you, that's the, that's the season you're in right now. You're in a category five storm. I would suggest to you that you make sure that foundation is secure. Even in the midst of a storm, make sure that you are secure in your work of, uh, of building, digging deep and to digging into the word. Charles Spurgeon, I quote him a lot here. Uh, Charles Spurgeon says this. He says, I've learned to kiss the wave of affliction that throws me against the rock of ages. Learn to appreciate. See, we don't appreciate the storm. We want the storm to pass. Of course we don't. It's hard while you're in the storm. It's hard while you're in it. But that is a fruitful time for you to see what you're really, what's really underneath. And even with churches. So when I said these houses are both identical and you don't know which one, 
You don't know which one is wise and which one is foolish. Same thing with churches. Like, do not base healthy church off of numeric growth. That's not, that growth doesn't mean health. I mean, if I started to grow a, a, a tumor out of my neck right now, you wouldn't say, man, that's healthy. That's, that looks good on you, man. You'd say, go to the doctor that's unhealthy. Same thing when it comes to numeric growth. So when it comes to appearance, don't just look and say, man, that's healthy. That's a healthy church. No, let the storm hit and see what's underneath. Let the storm hit. And let me just tell you as a church, Epiphany, we will have a storm as a church. Like we will have one. So I just want to prepare you now. If you're rocky, if you don't like to ride this boat, it's going to be a long day. We will have a storm. Absolutely, we'll have a storm. That is why I'm preaching this message, because I want to make sure that foundation is built on the word of God. Last point I want to make. This parable shows us the indestructible nature of the word of God. Notice the house didn't, neither one of these houses, the house that stood did not stand because the builder was so skillful. He didn't, it didn't stand because he used durable material. It purely stood based off the foundation. The foundation was what? The word of God. So it has nothing to do with how skillful you are. If you can make it through the storm, it's not because you're so special. You made it through the storm because you built off of this. It's indestructible. You know, Isaiah 40, verse number eight says, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. That's what the scripture says. Matthew 24, verse number 35. This is Jesus' words. Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. God's word will not fail. You can build your life off of it because it's indestructible. It will not fail. I'm not sure where you are within this passage, my prayer is that you would be honest. Like the one that was foolish could not switch his foundation when the storm came. He had to switch it on a nice day. My hope and prayer for you today is that you would do a building inspection of your own life. We would do a building inspection corporately and pray that on a sunny day, we would re refocus ourselves to build off of a sure foundation. This passage is not a passage on a wise Christian and a foolish Christian. It's not. Can I tell you why it's not? The end of verse number 27 says, and it fell and great was the fall. There is no great fall for the believer. We don't have a great fall. Jesus took our great fall. Like Jesus fell so that you could stand before God and say, I'm I'm 100% righteous based on Jesus because he failed. And so the believer doesn't have this testimony of a great fall. So this passage is not about a wise Christian and a a foolish Christian. It is about a wise Christian and someone who has not trusted Jesus, not trusted Jesus, not put their faith in his word. And so I don't know where you are within this passage. My prayer is that you would switch that foundation today. Maybe you're in here. I'm going to pray every head bow and every eye close. I want to pray for two categories of people today. Two categories. One is someone that's currently in a storm. Maybe you're a believer, you've trusted Jesus, but you're right smack dead in the middle of that storm. If that's you, would you just, I don't want you to come up here. Would you just raise your hand if you're like, man, I'm in that storm right now. I'm in that category five storm. This isn't 
a passing shower for me. I'm smack dead in the middle of it. I want to pray for you today. Because your foundation is detrimental to how you make it through this storm. Let me pray. Lord, I just want to lift these up that have their hand up. Thank you for their honesty. I'll go so far as to say thank you for the storm. Because of that storm, it shows us how reliable you really are. Like some of us honestly going through stuff, we should be plumb crazy. We should be out of our mind right now. Some of the stuff that those that raise their hand are going through is stuff that took others out. Others that didn't have a secure foundation, it took them out. And I just pray for peace even within the storm. It almost seems insensitive to pray that you won't remove it. But it's something good about the storm. And I pray that their foundation would be absolutely secure. Give them joy within this storm. Only the believer can go through something crazy and come out smiling. You're able to turn our tears into joy. And we are thankful. And we thank you for the storm. And we thank you for the future storm that we're going to go through. But I pray that you would help us to really do some work on that foundation. Help us to dig deeper. And really lay a deep, deep foundation. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The, the other group I, I, I want to pray for is maybe you're in here and you haven't trusted Jesus. Maybe you come every week and, you know, you, you, you're in some type of community here. You're, you've been connected with other people. Or maybe this is your first time here and you're like, maybe somebody drug you to church today. Is that, a, is that past tense drug? They drug you to church. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's where you are. My hope and prayer for you today is that you would switch that foundation. Building on sand won't save you. Did, you. did you hear the end part of verse number 27? It says that great was the fall. This is, he pronounced judgment on those that don't have a secure foundation in him. My prayer is that you would rest in verse 28 and 29. I'm not going to preach these, but it says, and when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teachings. For he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as one of the scribes. My prayer is that you would hear Jesus' words today and respond like the crowd, be in awe of him and his work. Every head bowed and every eye closed one more time. If you have never trusted Jesus, you know if the storm hit right now, today, this moment, if you know that you wouldn't be able to survive the storm, I'm asking that you would raise your hand. If you've never trusted Jesus, you've never put him as your savior. You've never given your full faith to him. Pastor Larry said last week that believing is more than just an intellectual check off the box. Believing in Jesus is submitting your whole life to his lordship. If you have not submitted to him, if you verbally said, I believe, but I haven't submitted to him, I pray that you would give your complete life to him today. Anyone. Amen. Let me shift to our communion time. This is a time that we take very, very serious as a church. This is a time of worship team, you can come up. This is a time where we as believers get to celebrate in what the Lord and what, what the Lord has accomplished.
through the cross. If you've trusted Jesus, my hope and prayer is that you would celebrate with us and take this communion. If you've trusted him, take it. This is a celebration. We get to make a toast to our king today. If you haven't trusted him, I ask that you would let the elements pass. Let this symbolic elements of Jesus pass. But I pray that you would take Jesus today. If you take him, maybe you didn't raise your hand and you want to talk to somebody up here about Jesus. I pray that you would do that. But let this pass. After you've received your communion, I ask that you would stand and worship with us as we sing in Christ alone. We can pass it out.